You are tuned into the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, your Rx for success in nutrition, mindset, and health to dispense the best version of you. The Fit Pharmacist is a movement in the profession of pharmacy. Here is your host for the show, Dr. Adam Martin. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. What if, however, you want to take that journey and turn it into several thousand or even tens of thousands of steps to leverage your impact as a pharmacist globally and serve as a medical missionary? Speaking as a pharmacist who had the honor of being a part of a medical mission trip in Honduras myself, I cannot begin to express the level of gratitude self-discovery, and joy that serving as a pharmacist can dispense to the lives we're honored to interact with. It was honestly one of the best experiences I've had, not just in my professional life as a pharmacist, but in my life overall. That's why when I found another pharmacist who has not just served on one mission trip, but several, and even serves on the board of directors for an annual medical mission organization, I had to get her on this podcast. Guys, it's a pleasure to bring to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, Lauren Boudreaux, PharmD, RPH, who graduated from University of New England College of Pharmacy in Portland, Maine, back in 2014. She's currently working at a small community hospital in Massachusetts as an inpatient pharmacist. In a few years, she hopes to go back to school because she hasn't had enough <laughs> for her master's in healthcare administration. Because she has a passion for this, she wants to further her career with leadership and management opportunities. She currently has her certification in fitness nutrition and would like to become a personal trainer in the future. In addition, as I mentioned, she is on the board of directors for the annual medical mission for NIBOSH, Northeast Volunteer Optometric Services to Humanity. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So guys, before the podcast, we got to chat a little bit. Um, I actually met Lauren through her fitness avenue back on Instagram. I guess it was about a year and a half or so ago. Yep. Um, she was one of the featured pharmacists for uh, Fit Pharmacist Friday that I run every Friday, highlighting those in pharmacy looking to really bring their best selves to the table or to the pharmacy counter, I guess we could say. <laughs> Um, but through her post, I, you know, we follow each other and I saw that she kept going on these trips and I had just gotten back from my medical mission trip in Honduras and I had such a blast and I kept, you know, I saw her post and like, wow, that's amazing. But then I saw more and more and I'm like, do you do this full time? And she's like, well, kind of. <laughs> so through that, um, I had a lot of pharmacists with interest in being a medical missionary. So I thought, what better way than to get the expert on the topic to share how to get started, what it involves, and really the value of it. Uh, so Lauren, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of your experiences here with us. Thank you. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm pretty much nerding out about this, being so excited to talk about it with people who can relate. My friends are so sick of hearing it on a home base. <laughs> I'm really excited. Luckily, we have a microphone and it is all yours, so... <laughs> So going with that, you're on the board of directors for the annual medical mission. So NIVOSH, the Northeast Volunteer Optometric Services to Humanity. Um, this is one of my first times hearing that and probably for the listeners too. So can you talk a little bit about what that is? Is that through a religious organization or is that through a church or kind of what, what is NIVOSH? So VOSH 
uh, is the overseeing organization of NIVOSH. Um, so VOSH is just the Volunteer Optometric Soci Services to Humanity. It's strictly a volunteer organization. It has no religious affiliations. Uh, it has no um, political or any other sort of affiliations whatsoever. It's actually an international organization um, and its strict mission is to provide the gift of vision and healthcare to everyone worldwide. Um, so NIVOSH is just that Northeast chapter of VOSH. Wow. So yeah, um, NIVOSH, our organization that I'm on the board of directors for the medical mission, we have about 70 or so, maybe a little bit more volunteers that go annually on our trip. And wow. our volunteers are made up of optometrists and optometry students. We have opticians that run our little, you know, eye, <laughs> eye shop. Um, we have medical doctors, nurses, audiologists. We have dentists and dental students. I, there's myself and another pharmacist that go and so on for medical professions. Um, but we also have just volunteers that are passionate about it from every walk of life that help us with either translating or keeping our clinic running flawlessly. Um, and Nivosh has actually been doing this since the late 80s. We focus strictly on the Central American region. Um, I personally would love to go other places, but Nivosh, that's where we've made our connections and our niche. And uh, it, you know, for our, us, it's just, that's where we go and it's where we are familiar with at this point. That makes sense to me. So since the 80s, so you, you guys aren't new kids on the block, you know what you're doing. No, this is a well-oiled machine here. Um, actually, the reason I got into it is my uncle is a medical doctor in Rhode Island. Mm. Uh, and growing up, I was that kid at 10 years old asking my mom and dad if I could go on the trip. <laughs> and of course, no, you're 10. What do you think? <laughs> um, we like you, the passion, though. <laughs> what are you going to do there? You're a child. <laughs> and so, um, I, and I was that weirdo that at 16, 15, whatever it was, knew I wanted to be a pharmacist. Um, and so once I was of age of 18 to travel alone without their um, permission, I and I could have done the trips alone, it actually just fell the first week of school every year, so I couldn't go. Wow. Uh, it wasn't until I graduated that I realized, you know what, I can make this happen. And I reached out to my aunt and uncle, um, my aunt volunteers on the trip as well, and they set up that connection for me. And after my second year going, um, I was approached to join the board of directors. They thought I had so much to input as both a pharmacist and a young professional who is dedicated to the cause and hoping to do this for the rest of my life. Wow. Well, clearly you are dedicated because you've done this several times and you've not only excelled in your own career, but helped others do the same. And I really think that's what it's all about is taking what we learn and sharing that with other people, uh, which is the reason we're here for this podcast is to, to help others further their profession. Um, and that's really the first question I want to want to ask you is a lot of the listeners have not gone on medical mission trips, um, but they really want to. And they tend to feel like, you know, what's it like? What's it what's what does it entail? So what I want to ask you is thinking back to your first mission trip, I'm sure going into it, you had a lot of expectations or thoughts or, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to be like. But what what was it really like after your first time that you went when you were there? Was it at all what you expected? Can you kind of walk us through, I guess, the virgin eyes of your first trip on sure. a medical mission trip, like what that entailed? Um, so my first trip, I was terrified. I mean, I was beyond excited to be going, but I had no idea what to expect. As someone who likes to travel a lot, um, going to another country wasn't what scared me. It was 
what am I getting myself into? I have no idea. I haven't run a, you know, I shouldn't say I haven't run a clinic in college. Uh, my organization, I was president of our SNAFA chapter. We, oh, me too. No way. <laughs> um, we ran local clinics. Uh, Portland actually has a really underserved refugee population. So we ran some clinics there for free, mm. but I had never done anything on the, this kind of level. Uh, so, you know, I'm going at this point alone, my aunt and uncle are on the trip, but I knew no one else of the 70, 75 volunteers. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is a lot. I'm looking at the list of things I need to bring and what I need to do. And when you get there, that first day you get to the hotel, um, you know, you check in, get some food, get to bed early. Then very next day you hit the ground running. We spend all day setting up the clinic. Um in 95 degree heat and a tiny little school, no air conditioning and whatnot. And you really just, that day is a whirlwind and you get it done and you're thinking, oh my God, this is four days of this. This is going to be crazy. And the second you get off that bus on day one of the clinic, there's a line of hundreds of people out the door already waiting to see you. And you know, you're in for something that's life-changing because you've never seen so many people in your life that are asking for your help. And so it was four days of tears and laughter and hugging and making new friends, both volunteers and patients, um, taking lots of pictures because everyone loves taking pictures. They love that you're there and they want to be part of that. And they, whether it's on your phone or their phone or their camera, if they're fortunate enough to have phones or cameras, um, there's lots of pictures, lots of happy, happy moments and some sad moments too. Um, and you get about two days into the trip and you think I can't possibly be more tired than this. (laughs) And all of a sudden you realize day four comes and yeah, you can be more tired than that. You've had about 12 cups of coffee that day. Uh (laughs) You have no idea what just happened, except all of a sudden all my medicine's gone. I have like empty bottles scattered everywhere and I need to clean it all up and I have no idea what to do. And yeah, it's just, it, you leave feeling like an incredibly different person than you got there. So that first trip, um, we really, we talked to some of the people this past year that went for the first time and they've never felt such emotion in their life. And in fact, some people even, we call it the post-trip depression because you, you're going back to, to your normal life, your normal routine. And we're in a very fortunate position in our country where we have great healthcare. I mean, there are plenty of flaws. Do not get me wrong. There are plenty of areas where we lack and we need to improve on, but these people haven't seen doctors in 30 years. Um, they spend an entire month's salary on a doctor's appointment, uh, just for the doctor to cancel right as they get there. So, you know, you come back and you're almost sad and angry about what happens and so many emotions, but you realize you did so much more than that and there's no reason to be sad or angry just look forward to the next one um but it's a it's a lot and it takes a a lot of energy and a lot of emotion to do it but it's just overwhelmingly incredible i know that this is audio and you can't see me but i the whole time you were talking i was smiling from ear to ear because everything you just described brought me back to honduras to a t the long lines, the gratitude, like, oh, it, it, you hit it exactly how it was, exactly how it was. Um, but stepping back to your first time, so basically, when you're going, like day one or going, embarking on day one, 
you're basically a stranger in a foreign land feeling overwhelmed and underskilled. Exactly. And, <laughs> I'm like, how can I simplify? <laughs> I speak a little bit of Spanish. You know, I used to be much more fluent when I was younger and I was taking classes. And of course, being here, I don't have anyone to really practice with. Uh, so I can understand a few things, but you're in a country where they're speaking their own dialects of Spanish. They're, a lot of people are from the mountains. They're from um, very ancient tribes of sorts for the native populations down there. and you're you're feeling all these eyes on you and you're being stared at. And of course there's the people that immediately come to you with happiness and tears. And then they're the people who are very hesitant to trust you. Um, but yeah, it, you feel like you're in a fishbowl and everyone's staring at you that very first time you get there and you step off that bus and you see these patients or even step into the city where you're staying. It's just, there's a lot and people know, people understand why you're there. The whole town knows before you even get there. So when you get off that bus, they know immediately who you are and what you're there for. Yes. And it's pretty overwhelming. You really just feel like everyone knows who you are and it, you know, is they're focused on you. They can see only you. It's pretty crazy. You never feel, I, I have never felt that way here at least. Most no, people, no. celebrities do all the time, but I'm <laughs> a celebrity. So it was a bit overwhelming for me, but it, it's worth every second of that awkward feeling when you feel like, wow, these people are staring at me. They're doing it out of a place of need, not a place of judgment. So, yes. And I think the biggest difference that I saw between a pharmacy here and setting up a pharmacy in the middle of a Zika infested jungle, which is where I was in Honduras, mm -hmm. is there was absolutely no entitlement at all. None. And exactly as you described, we get there with the bus. So we're, we had a, a much smaller medical mission team, probably about half the size of yours. But when we got there, just like you said, like literally not only the whole village, but other villages, because, you know, here we take it for granted. I mean, there's MedExpress up the road, urgent care, whatever you want. But there, they are lucky to get one, maybe two doctor visits a year. So you think, you know, you have an infection and, and just looking at, you know, our treatment programs as pharmacists with uh, comorbid conditions, diabetes, why it's so important to check foot care because we diabetics over time lose that sensation and they just step on a car or something very simple, like a toy car um, and something very simple. But if they don't have that feeling, that sensation, it might just be a little nick. But over time, that compounds and becomes infectious and can lead to gangrene and amputation. Same type of thing there. They see it though, but they can't do anything about it. So yeah. you see these infections like you saw, like you learned in infectious disease in pharmacy school of like worst case scenario stuff. And that's with people that, you know, they see it, it's, it's obvious, but they can't do anything about it. So yeah. when, just like you said, when you get there, you're like the, the Messiah, it's crazy. And, and you know, the eyes, you described it perfectly. It's like you're in a fishbowl, so much gratitude and, you know, they they just complete trust um, yes, you're right. Some of them have some apprehensions, but most people are just so grateful and they're, they're, they just can't stop saying thank you. I, I just remember this one older woman when I was there and she just kept saying, muchas gracias, senor. Oh, senor, muchas gracias. Oh, ay, ay, ay. Just over and over. And it was like, you know, all I did was, you know, I gave you some soap. <laughs> but to them, like to one person, to, to, you, you just make someone's world. And I mean, we could talk about this all day, just the level of impact. And just like you said, it, you don't, you don't get that experience here. And that's, it's just, 
how how deeply you can positively change someone's life on a mission trip is invaluable and unlike anything I've ever experienced. So that's why I'm so excited to have you on here to share with others so that they can do the same thing. Thank you. Yeah. I like you said it's just there's endless stories we could share back and forth about experiences but these people I mean to put it bluntly so other people can understand the impact of these clinics is we had a man walk his elderly father on his back two hours two hours by foot to get his father who couldn't walk to our clinic um and we were managed to for the next day find him a wheelchair to bring his father back someone from the village actually put them up in their house so that they didn't have to walk two hours home and walk back again uh, i mean it's just uh, the impact is more than anyone can imagine and the village that you're doing it in, they want to help too in any way they can. They'll bring over just food to help feed the locals when they're coming. I mean, it, it's just one, it's like a ripple in a pond. It just gets bigger and bigger as people understand it and the, the community understands it and they come together to help too. Absolutely. Um, my dad, we were talking uh, before the podcast and, and both of our fathers are in missionary. Um, your uncle, I believe. Yes. So my uncle um, is a medical doctor. He's actually, um, I believe, went on some of the very first medical missions with Nivosh, but he's been going with my aunt for many, many years. Um, again, that's why I was passionate about it and how I even learned about it. And I was fortunate enough in that sense. Uh, but I was able to share that passion with my father. My father's an optician. And he actually goes and he, at, last year was his first year and he is hooked. He can't wait to go again. Um, and now we have other family members hoping to go eventually. My aunt's a dental hygienist who'd love to go. Um, friends of all walks of life, of all different medical professions. It's just, it, it's really, the passion spreads as soon as you get to share it and show others. So you helped, this is ironic, you helped him see the light and she is <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> I'm all about the puns. I, I warned you I was corny. <laughs> I had to deliver. Um, but no, with your, with your talking about with, with the cases, um, my dad just got back from his medical, not medical, but a mission trip. He's going to Uganda, um, basically building a village with his organization. Um, and he was telling me about this case of a young patient um, in Uganda who was going through kidney failure and needed dialysis. Well, the problem in Uganda is there's only one dialysis center in the entire country. Imagine that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, so if they're lucky, they'll get, you know, one treatment, what, a, a, every other month or something like that, if you can, like, because you know, it's very money-driven there. But, I mean, as, you know, you get peritoneal dialysis or you go to a clinic three times a week, so that's not, you can just imagine the impact. Um, but that led to, you know, funding this case because it was a young, young person really looking to take charge of his health but didn't have the resources. Um, so you, you see these cases of just extreme things beyond what you can imagine over here. And it just really tugs at your heart because there's no, there's no entitlement, man, it's all gratitude. And you don't really get that here, unfortunately. So when you can go and give your efforts and see someone that doesn't just take it for granted, but they really see the value and they run with it. They're like, this can change my life and I'm going to put this into practice. And I'm super grateful. And this is going to help my family and the future of my family and all of those things. And seeing that impact for someone that ex not just accepts your help, but takes that to make their lives better and the lives of their families, that's just invaluable. And it's really just, 
I, I can't say enough about it. It's, I, I entirely agree. It's just like you said, there's no sense of entitlement whatsoever. Even the patients that say there's a, their vision so poor, we don't have glasses that meet their needs. They're just thankful that we even took the time to see them. It's unbelievable. Here you would have, unfortunately, you know, high demand. Someone wants their glasses immediately. They, we need X, Y, Z. And if you can't provide it, there's a lot of times people aren't patient enough and they're angry. There's none of that there. It's really, it's just completely heartbreaking and to see people so humble about something even if they can't get that help they need exactly and i mean there's people with that we didn't know this until after the fact just with uh, my trip to honduras there was that line that we talked about you get there and there's that huge line well after the fact you'll find out like you said you know this guy carried his dad two miles on his back who couldn't walk um we had people that were lined up you know they were camped out for days beforehand but they didn't say like oh I have to be first because I was here first and I waited. No, none of that. They don't even tell you. They don't even tell you their story. They're just so grateful to have the chance of an opportunity to be there. It's mm-hmm. just it, it's just like something you'll never experience here, which is one reason why it's an awesome opportunity if you guys are able. Um, again, this is something that puts you out of your comfort zone. That's where growth happens. I highly recommend if you're ever thinking or thought about mission like what does it involve do it just do it don't second guess it do it it's for the good of others it's going to make you a better person um like i said for me personally it was the best experience i ever did um for others and it, it's ironic i did it for others but i gained so much myself mm-hmm. um in, in what i do as a, as a person and a pharmacist exactly. um, which leads me to the next question so vosh and nevosh um you said it's very interprofessional lots of um, other professions, part of it. Now, as a pharmacist, so if a listener um, on this podcast is a pharmacy student or a pharmacist, and they think, you know, I'm thinking about it, but what exactly would I do? How would I implement my skills as a pharmacist on a mission trip? Um, what is the role of a pharmacist at the medical mission trips? So that's a great question. We then, you know, going into it my first year, I thought the same exact thing. What the heck am I going to be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so that very first day, I, we set up a, a little mini pharmacy. It looks like a little retail pharmacy um, organized into categories of antibiotics, of uh, hypertension medications, anti-diabetic di- um, medications. We have you know, just vitamins, pain relief, whatever you can think of. Um, and the pharmacist, we run a little retail pharmacy. We use Ziploc baggies because you couldn't find enough bottles in the world. To- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 3,000 plus patients we saw in those four days, there, and each one gets multiple, there'd be no way. But uh, Ziploc baggies like crazy, and you're bagging and you're writing out labels in Spanish. Yes, um, yes. Also, a huge resource to the medical doctors. So they're seeing the patients and they're interested in starting them on a script of any sort and certain patients we do have to prioritize which is also hard um yeah. emotionally some patients you think okay well if i give you this and you at least get three months of it that's great but there are other patients who are so far up a mountain where they live that they will never make it to another clinic again for a year until we go back we have to try to give them more or say there's a medication they want to start but we don't have what's the equivalent. I'm that resource to them. So I'm constantly being paged over our little walkie talkies by the doctors (laughs) asking me, what do we have that's similar to this or can treat this? What antibiotic would be good for this kind of infection for a child of this weight? Um, 
anything you can think of, not just running the little retail pharmacy, but also being that resource to the medical professionals and helping them out. I also run as our own little pharmacist. So when someone gets sick on the trip or whatever it is, they come to me and I have what they need, whether it's heartburn medication or Pepto-Bismol for their stomach because something they ate didn't settle right. Uh, They have migraine. They come to me for their ibuprofen, whatever it is. But I I run our own little (laughs) pharmacy too for our own ailments we get because that's one thing people don't realize. You go through so much stress. You definitely put a toll on your body on these trips and you can very easily get sick on these trips too. Yes. Yeah. Going into that with, with that awareness and just the expectation is really, in, in my opinion, looking at how I kind of prepared myself to go. Um, cause I was, I was no expert. I'd never done this before. I wasn't, I wasn't a Dr. Lauren. <laughs> um, so I did my research, which is really what I think this podcast is going to help people who are thinking or preparing to go on a mission trip is look at, you know, what, what, what can I expect? What questions should I ask? How should I best prepare myself? Um, and, but you touched on a really important thing, and that's asset allocation. So we can't save everybody, but we can make an impact. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is difficult, especially towards the end of the trip when you're running low on supplies. Um, for, you know, for us, there were multivitamins. We had, you know, the DHA prenatals. Those yeah. went super fast. So you've got, you know, pregnant women that are in line, and you run out or yep. you're getting low, you know, you have, let's say, um, five people, so three months supply times three, but there's 20 people in line, what are you going to do? You know, it, it's a difficult decision. Mm-hmm. Um, one you, we face daily there, and it's important for people to understand that those are the challenges and that emotionally you need to be prepared to commit yourself to. Absolutely. So having that strong mindset and going into that um, will really help keep you grounded so that you can and just like you said, it's it's extremely intense emotions, especially for your first time. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know that going in, it can really kind of rattle you and in a way distract you from utilizing your skill set so, to help people. And that's what you're there for. So being kind of aware and prepared for that, I think, would be a great strategy or having some sort of mindset technique. So um, if something does rattle you, you're able to you know not judge it or say, I shouldn't feel this way. But just be present with that. Be in the moment and recognize it. Allow yourself to feel that, but then come back so that you can get back into your skill set so that you can get back to work and serving other people. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it, and that, that's something that especially students um, can, need to take into their professional life as well when it comes to working as a pharmacist. So that's a great point. Just realizing that there are times where there's going to be someone so ill or passing away, whatever it may be that rattles you so deeply to the core or a negative experience, even maybe not on these trips, but just in general and how you emotionally need to be prepared to deal with it. It's okay to feel angry or hurt or sad or upset, but you can't let it take away from the remainder of the patients that are there needing you. Absolutely. Um, You actually hit on an awesome point. You, You mentioned students. Let's say that it's a pharmacy student listening to this. And they really want to go, kind of like your situation, but they're not 10 years old. <laughs> they really want to go, but you know, they've got boards coming up, they're, they might be moving, or they're working full-time in retail, and the dates that they found for a mission trip don't line up. Let's say someone wants to get involved, but they can't physically go and be a part of a medical mission trip, but they still want to participate and be involved in some way. Are there any alternatives or kind of support or methods people can get involved with so that they can still be a part of a mission trip, but not physically go 
Should it be a time constraint or financial concern? Of course, yeah, there's so much that people can do to help us um, or any medical mission in general when they're going. Um, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, the number one answer you'll always hear is donate money. Uh, even $10 goes a long way to these um, because most of these organizations are nonprofit or completely charitable. All of our missionaries are self-funding, so we all pay our own flight, hotels, food when we get there. Um, so the money we raise goes directly to all the medical, dental, audiology, optometry equipment, the medications, which as pharmacists, we all know cost an arm and a leg nowadays, huh. um, or just the supplies to make the clinic run. Um, so that's obviously the, the easy given answer. Um, we hold two major fundraisers a year, as do many of these organizations hold their own fundraisers. And if you are looking to learn more, um, talk to people, get involved, but not quite go on this trip yet, those fundraisers attending them is a great place to start. Um, for our uh, chapter, Nivash, um, we run two major fundraisers in New England. And if anyone was ever interested in finding out about them, getting to know more so they could talk to our organization, they can certainly reach out to me. Um, you know, that's a great place to just get your foot in the door and talk to these professionals that have been doing it for years, people who are passionate about it as well and can give you an insight as to what to expect. Um, we also take any donations of things that aren't necessarily medical supplies. We go through, like I said, countless Ziploc bags, trash bags, <laughs> paper towels, pens, markers. It, it's crazy what we go through that we, you know, most people would overthink. Um, so just the fact that I had people last year donate a couple boxes of Ziploc baggies, they have no idea the impact that made on just us and our organization. Um, if there's something else people want to donate, uh, the thing that immediately comes to mind is toys and knickknacks and stickers for the children. Um, these kids have never been to clinics before, maybe never seen a doctor before, and they're there all day and like I said it's 95 degrees it's crowded it's stuffy it's loud and they're overwhelmed people are poking and prodding them and testing them and examining them and they they're getting upset naturally so if we have little I don't know bouncy balls or um like you had mentioned earlier little toy cars like the hot wheels or whatever stickers anything that makes their day a little better we certainly like to take anything people are willing to offer I have people from my gym that give me children's clothes to donate um, when I get down there and hand out to the parents that look like their children need some clean clothes. Mm. So anything like that gets you involved, gets you connected to the organizations that you're pursuing. And maybe you can't go, but maybe you do feel like you're able to give something and provide a little more than just, hey, good job. Like I, I liked your picture or, you know, it was nice to see you when again, whatever it may be, you're giving a little something, even if it's not your entire week or your, you know, your vacation essentially from work. That's such a good point, Lauren, especially with, with the toys. Um, looking back to my mission trip, I guess I could simplify it into, I guess, three sections of care. So it was a medical mission trip officially, but it was through my dad's church. So there was the medical team. So there was pharmacists, um, PAs, nurses, physician. Um, and also there was the spiritual side. So we had a pastor, we had a professional counselor, but um, interestingly, I, I didn't think of this earlier, but some of the kids of the missionaries were there, younger ones. Um, I don't think there were 10, but like 15, 14, yep. because they were there to help entertain the children because, you know, the parents were there 
and where we were most the i think the average um woman who was like 18 or 19 had you know three four kids and if they were my age um or around there they would have several so while they were getting care you needed that you know the toys and so forth so that's where the younger population came into play is kind of keep the kids busy and keep them entertained um so i think that's that's an excellent tip but yeah we we definitely smuggled in ziploc baggies uh sharpies and the labels so yeah, that, that chicken scratch Spanish came into practice. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think I might have developed uh, some carpal tunnel from the writing. I'm not sure. but By the end of the week, I was actually counting in Spanish in my mind. Yes. I, I, swear, I kid you not, I was having dreams in Spanish, and I don't speak fluent Spanish. I speak enough, but I was dreaming half in Spanish, half in English. I love it. Immersion. I love oh, yeah. that. I love that. <laughs> That's what happens to me now. Um, when I was, I took Spanish in uh, college, and that that happened to me. I would talk in my sleep, and my roommate would be like, "Dude, you're talking Spanish. What the hell?" I'm like, <laughs> yes, I've I've made it. <laughs> but even now, like today, I'll talk in my sleep, and I'll be I'll be imagining or dreaming I'm in the pharmacy because I'm there so much. Mm-hmm. One time, I think I fell asleep on the couch at my dad's, and I woke up, and he was laughing. And I'm like, "What's so funny?" He's like, "You were sleeping, but all of a sudden, you said we'll be right with you, sir." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I need to go home. <laughs> How many dreams I had back in my CVS days when I worked there with my mind? I would literally have a dream, one pharmacy call. Yeah. I, I you know, I would have them in my dream. I'm like, oh my god, I'd wake up in the morning thinking, how many calls did I miss? Oh my god. Oh, oh man. Probably too many. So with that, we talked about the one side of the coin where yep. if you want to get involved but you can't physically go, be it financial or time constraints, how to do that. But let's say you are set to go, you have the means. Um, you did fundraising, whatever that is, and you can physically go. You want to take that next step. What? How do people get started? Like, let's say they're ready to go, they have an interest. How do they get started or set up to go on a mission trip? How, like, do they reach an organization or do they have to get approved? Is there a pre-approval process? What's that process look like? Of course, yeah. So Bosch, uh, the organization we run our trip through, um, has chapters all over the country, all over the world, and actually on their website, vosh.org, they have a list of upcoming and ongoing medical missions throughout the rest of the year, and some already updating their missions for next year. Um, They also have all their emails to reach out to the various chapters to see if these missions are something that would be a match for anyone interested. Uh, At least our organization, we do go through an application process. Um, It essentially just asks you your general information, your background. Have you been involved with this medical mission or other medical missions before? Um, And then they send your information, which includes a copy of your passport and some screening information to Panama, where we have been doing the trip the last few years and will continue the next couple of years, hopefully. and the Panamanian government does have to approve you to go into their country for these trips. Um, there are other websites and other avenues people can go that don't have to be necessarily through Vosh. Um, something I really push on anyone that is interested is find what you are passionate about and what connects with your soul and who you are as a person, what you want to give to this world and what you want to help with. Um, if a medical mission is someone's purpose and they really feel passionate about it, there's actually a website called medicalmissions.org. Um, I'm not affiliated with them. I'm just pushing them because I liked their website when I was doing some research. Uh, they list all the various organizations that are doing medical missions around the world and where those missions are. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a wide variety of different organizations that you can choose from. Some, like you had mentioned, 
yours was through your father's church. There are some that are religious, some that are not affiliated with religion, some that are affiliated strictly with dental or optometry and don't include others. It's what you feel matches your career, your personal life, your, your own, uh, your own being essentially. I just being in touch with who you are is really helpful when you're choosing one of these. Um, a simple Google search can help anyone. It'll, I mean, I, five minutes before we started just for kicks and giggles, um, Googled medical missions and the amount of hits that you see on Google through organizations that are reputable and well set up is unbelievable. So there are resources for anyone and everyone out there, depending on what you're passionate about. There are ones that are just for children, ones that um, focus specifically on, like you said, um, kidney dialysis there. I'm sure there are ones out there for strictly dialysis centers, whether they're in this country or outside of this. There's everything. It was unbelievable what I found just clicking a few things here and there. Um, there's also a lot that people can do outside of just pharmacy. Um, it, it's again, it's aligned, important to find one that aligns with yourself, but whether it be religious missions that don't include medical, um, disaster relief missions, uh, or volunteer opportunities like Habitat for Humanity, um, or others along those lines, they're all really great opportunities that not just a pharmacist or a healthcare professional could do, but anyone could do. So if you and your best friend or you and your significant other really are passionate about volunteering, but maybe they're not in healthcare, maybe you find something else that you're passionate about together and can do that together. It's not just pharmacy or medical that we need to be focusing on. Um, the thing I always tell my friends and my family about is for me to be a well-rounded person and pharmacist, I have to experience everything around the world. If I can meet other people, mm. just pick, see their walk of life a little bit, learn about them, learn about their culture. And if other people feel that way too, being a better person is through experiencing more in the world than these medical missions or various missions are of any sort are something that I encourage anyone to consider. Um, and the last thing I can say is if someone's really passionate about say a medical mission, but they don't know where to start contacting their local college of pharmacy, medicine, optometry, or, you know, advanced healthcare degree is a great position to start. Like we had talked about before, we're both involved in SNAPA. Um, my, yeah, my <laughs> local chapter, we, we did our own clinics, you know, it's a great opportunity. If someone can't travel abroad, maybe they want to volunteer at a local clinic, something that directly impacts their local community and something that they can really attach to. Um, it's a great opportunity, but UNE also, um, my alma mater, they had trips to, I want to say Ghana annually. And I didn't participate when I was in college, just with so much going on, but um, a lot of these colleges have professors that are associated with trips or maybe the college itself donates or provides or provides scholarships even to students that want to go on them. So talking to those colleges nearby or if you have, you know, contacts from alma maters of, your, you know, your own, it's it's great opportunity to reach out to them because you never know who they know. Healthcare is a huge yes. field, it seems, but it's a small family. You talk to anyone about a medical mission, they immediately say, oh, I know so-and-so who went mm -hmm. on. Yep. Always, always, always. There's always someone that knows someone. 
I, instead of the six degrees, I think it's like two or three in healthcare, honestly. Oh, yeah. Pharmacy, it's half. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you meet one person, they're like, oh, I know them. I, what? How? They're yes. from Maine and the other person's from Arizona. How do you know them? I don't, it's mind boggling. But it, it's true. Just talking to people, it, the amount of information you can find out there and resources, it, it's overwhelming, but it's perfect. Yeah, I think those are phenomenal resources you listed. And actually, something popped into mind. I graduated back in 2012 uh, from the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, we had some awesome organizations, but one that popped to mind that I actually forgot about, I think it's under APHA, but it's called IPSF, International Pharmaceutical Student Federation, I, I believe is what it's for. Um, but that's more on international travel and global pharmacy. I believe I have that correct um, for the focus of you know being abroad and so forth but i'm pretty sure that that is an organization under apha that you can get involved in um, if you're listening and you're a student in pharmacy school exactly yeah and you know finding those organizations if you're a student that align with again your goals if volunteering and providing your time to a local anything whether it be clinics or women's shelters or whatever it may be um finding the organizations on your campus that are passionate about that that's really something that can provide you immense opportunity in the future and you hit the nail on the head really if if you're interested in a mission trip don't just like pick one like oh let's oh like don't get a dartboard of like options and just throw it really ask like why do you want to do this uh, it's really ironic um this is the second conversation i've had today about your why um i filmed a video talking about this with once you define your why and your driving purpose, that's what's going to fill you with energy and carry you through the times when you feel tired or you don't feel like doing it, getting you through. If you connect with that why, that purpose, it's going to get you through those difficult times and allow you to overcome that adversity. So really asking yourself, like, you know, why am I going unless is this a right fit for me? Um, just using myself as an example, um, obviously, I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with pharmacy world. Um, so, you know, looking at Honduras. So you're telling me that I can set up club pharmacy in the jungle, one. And two, I love my Spanish music. I studied Spanish in undergrad. Um, I know you and I both resonate on the fitness level. I mean, what better beat, higher BPM is there than Latino? So you get to combine the two and help other people and they actually appreciate it. Yes, let's go. So that's kind of how I, I made that decision. Um, that and my dad said, hey, we're going to do this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but after, yeah, retro analysis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, that, that really makes it worthwhile and allows you to tap in and carry through. Because way back in the beginning of this, you said lots of coffee. Absolutely. No, no coffee, no worky. But, you know, just, just the hours and, and the heat, a lot of these environments are not most comfortable. So it's mm -hmm. going to tax your body. But also, we touched on the intense emotions uh, to a degree that you probably have not experienced before, not just in one day or one situation, but continuous days back to back. So that's going to be really draining. It so is. coffee will carry you, but only to a point. Mm -hmm. And that's when on day three, day four, or if it's a longer trip, that purpose of why and that connection for why you're there, the purpose you're there, um, if you resonate fully with all the reasons and the mission behind it, once you connect on that level, that's what's going to carry you through and deliver that energy so that you can do what you're meant there to do to serve to your best ability. Exactly. It's, I, I couldn't have put that better. That it's there. The 
excitement and the coffee and <laughs> because I love being from New England people think I'm crazy but like I thrive only in like 80 degree plus yes <laughs> um, yes no same I mean I'm repping Pittsburgh like people all think of... yeah wild. exactly so snow here and yet I do not thrive in winter scenarios whatsoever I could I would not survive in northern Canada for the life of, I would probably shrivel up and die <laughs> <laughs> But really, I, I just, you know, all that excitement, it does, it's like you said, it only gets you so far until you find what motivates you to keep going when you're at your lowest points during those times. It, you can't commit fully unless you know what that is. Absolutely. And that, I think, goes to looking at motivation versus commitment. So motivation, rah, rah, like you, you saw a really cool video on Facebook or you followed the fit pharmacist on Instagram and saw a really cool Insta story <laughs> and you're like, Oh, today's going to be great. But then the next day you don't have that. So, you know, the motivation's there. You're pumped up. You went to a conference, saw a movie, read a book, whatever you're pumped up for a day or two, but then you kind of fall back to old habits, okay. but commitment tying into that, why that purpose that, you know, what, what is the reason for this tying it to something that's bigger than yourself for a bigger mission, for a bigger level of impact, that's what's going to carry you through for when you don't feel like doing it, for when you're exhausted, mm -hmm. from when you can be distracted or have a, quote, legitimate excuse to forego it. And other people seeing that would be like, oh, I totally understand. Like, you're exhausted. You need to rest. But tying that to that deeper purpose will carry you through. And that is what commitment is. Exactly. And when it comes to consistency and following through, carrying you through those hard times, that's when commitment has that play to drive you to the outcome you're looking to achieve. It's, I, I really, I couldn't have said it better. And another way to, f that I personally find if I can encourage anyone to feel like they want to get, that does feel like what they want to get involved in any way, um, surround yourself with like-minded people or people who encourage you to keep going when you're at those low points. I mean, oh, there are times when, of course, you're crying tears of sadness at these clinics, but it's the people around you, the other missionaries that lift you up. Um, it's, the bonds of a lifetime are made at these clinics. I have my clinic mama. She's one of the <laughs> that works in the pharmacy with me when we run the pharmacy. I, I mean, we talk outside of pharmacy. She knows about my personal life. She helps me through things. Uh, I mean, talk to other people who have done it. Reach out to me. I'm I'm 100% willing to make new friends always. So anyone who wants to contact me needs help needs that extra step of motivation on the days that they're low. Like I, I will be there if someone needs it. Um, so finding people who share those common interests and that passion, it's going to further you with your why, like you said, and with your commitment to something. I resonate with that so, so much. And that's where the fit pharmacist community came from is people in our profession, whether you're in pharmacy school or pharmacist that, you know, we love what we do, but we're looking to do more. Like, yes, we see the value with pharmacy and counseling, but we want to go on a deeper level. And we all have that different kind of twang, I guess you could say. Um, for me, it's physical fitness and mindset. For you, it's serving and missionary. You're into fitness as well. But that's what makes us special and unique is all those different things. But we all have that passion. And we all have gone through the low points and the high points. But having that community to inspire us, to push us through, that's what the fit pharmacist is. And that's how I met you is yeah. featuring you over a year ago. And these are like everyone that's involved are legit people that, you know, they do what they say. Like in social media, there's a lot of that, like, 
highlight reel crap. They're not really legit. But I mean, Lauren, I've met known her for like over a year. Hit her up. I'm like, hey, like, you want to do a podcast? She's like, okay, what do you need? I'm like, oh, here's the stuff. Boom. It was email in like 10 minutes. Like, wow, she's a legit person. That's how everyone is. It's amazing. So having that community to inspire you when you feel low, to help you through. And when you hit your low point or your roadblock, like, hey, I'm having a hard time. This is a struggle. How do I get past this? That's what the community is all about, having those mentors, those friends who have gone through what you're going through. Um, and this, I, I haven't announced this yet, but I'm going to do it right now. This um, led me to write a book, which I've been working on for about a year. And I just got an email notification that my proof was delivered. <laughs> um, so, so oh my God, I'm sitting here like smiling ear to ear for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So in pharmacy, we all want to be our best. We all want to serve our patients and be the best pharmacist we can be. But that doesn't happen unless we're in our full health, in our full power. And there's a lot of things that come up. I don't have enough time. How am I going to manage this while being a pharmacy student? I live the retail life. How am I going to eat healthy? I don't get a lunch break, one. So how can I even eat, let alone consider eating anything healthy because all they sell is garbage? All of those concerns, all of those what ifs, I can'ts, excuses, like roadblocks are in this book. I look at it in three scripts for success, I guess you could say. And I lay it out. It's all science-based. I've done all these through the years. Um, I've been practicing for eight years as a full-time pharmacist in community. But I look at it at three approaches. I call them simple solutions because, yes, we love research and science, but I'm all about simplification. I ain't no genius. I just studied a lot. <laughs> so simple solutions for three tiers to success, mastering your mindset, nailing your nutrition and fitting in fitness. They're all components we need to be the best version of ourselves. Once we achieve that, and that, that's what's kind of cool is it's a, an always moving target. So we're never like done or we've never quote made it, but we're always striving to improve and get better. So having those common questions, those common obstacles getting in our way to be the best version of ourselves as pharmacists will allow us to be better and give better care, to resonate. Um, when you can do that, you can have deeper connections with patients. You have more energy to do things outside of pharmacy, like, I don't know, be a boss and be on the board of directors for a medical mission trip, uh, maybe, <laughs> just as an example. Um, but it's something that I've been passionate about and really excited to share with you all. Um, I hope you guys find tremendous value in it. Right now, it is on Kindle. It is on Amazon in print, and we're waiting for iBooks. That takes a little bit longer, um, but it's a resource that I've been really passionate to put together because that's my mission and my purpose is to allow pharmacists to be at their best so that we can give best care to our patients. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited to hear about that, and I can't wait. I had no idea this was coming, so when I'm saying I can't wait to buy this, it's not you asking me to talk <laughs> I'm so excited to buy this and read. Oh my God. I'm you'll, so you'll get your check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, I, you don't need to know this. I'm getting a little extra for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I, that tied in perfect. So like, you know what, this, this, this would be good. Um, but no, it's something exciting and it's something that I know that you live and that's what it's all about is it's great to talk about things and share tips, but until you put it into practice, because it's not just, okay, take this and, and put it out it's going to be a struggle. You're going to have things that get in the way of putting those things into practice, mm -hmm. overcoming those, finding what works, what's practical. That's what I talk about. There's all the science stuff, but it's not specific to pharmacy. We mm -hmm. have a very different workflow. We have a very different lifestyle. Um, in community pharmacy, when I was an intern, 
um, my pharmacist that was in charge called it combat pay because that's kind of what it is. <laughs> um, and I'm one of the crazy people that actually love it. Uh, I still go to work with a smile on my face. I literally dance at work, ask my text, it's true. Um, another reason I love Spanish is that's some of the music we play. Um, but finding those things that are specific to pharmacy life so that you can become the fit pharmacist that not only allows the best care to be delivered and dispensed to your patients, but inspiring your colleagues, your coworkers. And if you're a preceptor, pharmacy students to show them you know, it's not because there's that stigma of, you know, pharmacy is burnout. It's, you know, blah, 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 doom and glory. But finding your passion and your why coming back to that big concept that, that you talked about, Lauren, and playing that out. That's really what's important. And for me, that's what my why is, is to help pharmacists live their best life. And again, going back to another brilliant point that you made, connecting with other people in the profession that have that passion that are there to support you just like yourself. That's why it's such an honor to have you on this podcast because you are one of those people and you are what the Fit Pharmacist is all about. So it's been such an honor to have you on uh, to share you know, your best tips for how to take being a pharmacist to the next level and go global, be Mr. Real or Mrs. Worldwide. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I mean, just I was humbled that you even asked me. So it was incredible to be able to share my passion for this. Like I said, my friends are so sick of hearing me talk about it 24-7. I've always told people if I could make a, an entire living out of doing this, I would. But, you know, we all got student bills to pay. So <laughs> yeah, until those are done, we'll, we'll consider other avenues. But, um, you know, I mean, if, like you said, people need someone to contact or ask I'm the person or one of many people you can find out there that are passionate about this and I'm willing to chat with anyone as you can tell by my passion about it I <laughs> anyone who will ask a question about it so I love it and she means it guys like she's yeah. super responsive um with that being said though Lauren how can people best reach you what yeah. are your most active social media platforms and what's the best place to get in contact with you at of course yeah so the I would safely say the two I'm most active on are Instagram and Facebook, um, both of which I'm pretty easy to find, I believe. Uh, I My Instagram is public. You can just add me, follow me, message me. Um, it's just at Lauren.Boudreau. And my Facebook is just Lauren Boudreau. I think the link is Lauren.Boudreau.9 when you're typing it in. But um, I will easily respond to messages on there no matter what. Um, I'm, you know... As long as they're respectful, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for those of us who don't speak French, <laughs> it's uh, Instagram is at Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N dot Boudreaux, not Boudreaux, Boudreaux. <laughs> it's L-A-U-R-E-N dot B as in boy, O-U-D-R-E-A-U. And we'll have all the show notes. So you can hit her up in the, sh uh, in the show notes, all the links to her profiles um, so you guys can connect with her and follow her in her journey because truly, she is an inspiration for me, um, and I'm, I know that you're inspiring other people. So thank you for what you do, not only for others, but for our profession in moving forward and really making a lasting impact on everyone's lives. Thank you, and thank you again for having me. It's been an honor to be able to just share this and talk with someone who understands and can appreciate where I'm coming from with everything I have to, to say with it. So It's been a blast. Um, it evaporated fast well we've been talking over an hour geez <laughs> well if you guys are still listening you're as passionate as we are so we'd love to connect with you um, myself i'm at the fit pharmacist on instagram that's where i'm at most of the time 
Um, but again, show notes for all of our social media contacts will be here. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Lauren, sharing all your resources, your insights and experiences in helping us to become the best version of ourselves. Guys, Dr. Adam Martin signing off from the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Be great, go forth, and dispense your full potential.